Hello and welcome back to Dogs on Top, our podcast about the Georgia MBA, where we share our stories about our students, faculty, and staff, and what it's like to be part of the program, the Terry College of Business, and the University of Georgia. I'm Deirdre Kane, your host and the Director of Admissions for the Full-Time MBA. This podcast started at the beginning of the pandemic as an effort to bring the program and Athens to incoming students and prospective applicants. In this episode of Season 2, Town and Gown, we're going to learn more about the philanthropic community in Athens. My guests today are two UGA grads who are embedded in the community, working undercover for a local brewery, Creature Comforts, which has become a front for an amazing effort to support local nonprofits and the citizens who need the most help. They are redefining community giving, and through their downtown location, they have literally and figuratively created space to do wonderful things. My first guest is Madeline Bates, and she oversees the Get Artistic Community Impact Program at Creature. She is also a member of the Athens Cultural Affairs Commission, and she earned a BA in Art History from the Lamar Dodd School of Art at the University of Georgia in 2015. My second guest is Ali Halenga. She serves as the Community Manager at Creature. In her role, she helps steward two of Creature Comfort's Community Impact Programs, Get Comfortable and Brew for One. Prior to joining the Creature Comforts team, Allie worked within the higher education sector at both Wake Forest University and at the University of Georgia. She received a Bachelor of Arts in Public Relations from UGA's College of Journalism and Mass Communication in 2016. Thank you for coming. Welcome to you both. I'm really happy to have you here today. And I'd like to start it off with asking some questions about the background of Creature Comforts. Thanks for having us. Well, this is fun for me. You know, obviously covering the fun stuff and what people are doing in Athens is fun. And um, there's certainly been a lot going on and not going on right now with with the pandemic. You guys have been busy sort of being creative as well right now. Um, So I did buy some hand sanitizer a little while ago. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Right. Um, But I'd like to start off with just getting for people to get understanding the background um, and history of creature comfort sort of you know, how it started, how it's grown, um, you know, cover anything, even that wonderful building you guys got downtown. Madeline, you've been here way longer than I have, so I kind of want to let you tackle this one. Yeah, I'd love to. Not to put Um, you on the spot. (laughs) No, it's okay. I I was a tour guide at Creature for a while, so let's see if I'm, you know, not too rusty to answer this question. (laughs) Yeah, so I I joined the opening staff at Creature Comforts um, in, in April 2014. That's when we opened. And at the time, I was at the University of Georgia, and I was studying art history, um, and I had decided to take uh, one semester off from school, and it was just magic timing in that that was the semester, it was spring of 2014, that's when Creature Comforts opened. And at the time, I think we had 12 part-time employees, um, plus our, I believe, five full-time staff, including our CEO, general manager. And, and now we've grown six years later, only six? I, yeah, that's crazy, only six. Um, we have uh, over 100 employees now between Athens, Atlanta, and also Savannah. Um, and so when I was on that opening staff, um, I just really just happened to be the only person on staff who was sort of connected to artists since I was um, a student at the art school. And so our general manager said, okay, we have these beautiful open walls in our taproom space, so why don't you find some of your peers to put art on the walls? So it started very organically like that. Um, They get artistic programs specifically and just really creature comforts, support for the arts kind of just started in that way of leveraging the space that we had in our taproom. 
The tap room was built, I believe, in the 1940s, as originally opened as a Chevy dealership, and then it pretty uh, quickly transitioned to a family-owned tire company called the Snow Tire Company. And insert joke here during our our uh, brew house tour about how they didn't really make snow tires because we don't ever, you know, we don't have winter here in Georgia. Uh, but and if they had, then they wouldn't have you know, probably stayed in business as long as they did, which was until I think around 2010, 2012, somewhere in that, in that range, um, that family shop decided to close up. And that's when Creature Comforts came in, um, and renovated that space. So they, it was really important to them in the redesign to make it a functional, uh, brewery production and taproom space to really preserve the historic integrity of that location. Um, that had been, you know, a community uh, hub for, you know, many decades. Um, so as a part of that, they repurposed a lot of the wood that was holding up the original ceiling, and they put that into bar tops and tables and, and just a lot of kind of creative things like that to keep physically the materials that were in the space as a part of that space. And, um, and, and I really think that was kind of, you know, one of the first things that Creature Comforts did to sort of say, we're coming to this community, we want to make it better uh, in, a, in a taproom space that was really by just preserving what was there and improving um, as we could what was there. Um, and so for our community impact work, um, the, the first official program we had was Get Comfortable. I think that started, I guess it was in 2015. And that started out as, um, again, just a way to leverage the, the taproom space that we had. So we started hosting nonprofits for basically the equivalent of a percentage night for a couple weeks or months in the winter. And then we realized, oh, there's actually more ways that we could be better partners to these nonprofits. And then we uh, just from there grew to say, hey, this is how we can make this better. Oh, this is how we can be a better partner. And then once we found a format that worked for our company, that's when we started to invite other companies to join us um, because the, the problems in Athens with social mobility and problems that you, you know, I as a student was not aware of that are just very complex. And so Creature Comforts found a way to make being a really good partner work for us. So we wanted to provide a kind of structure for other companies to, to join us and sort of pool our resources and efforts and push that out into the community. So... I think that's a pretty good start for <laughs> how Creature Comforts has, has, you know, grown over the years. Um, it has really just started very organically, leveraging the space that we have, and then just kind of going from there and asking ourselves how we can, how we can make our, our practices better and how we can give back better to the community. Um, and that really informs all the work that we do um, beyond the community impact work, really. I want to just back up a little bit, and maybe uh, Allie can address this, but why did that effort start? I mean, it's certainly not something that is typical activity of a brewing company. Um, so what was the, the impetus for, for even doing Get Comfortable? Yeah, so we believe that every company should have a plan to support the city they love. And when we first opened our doors in 2014, we wanted to really create opportunities for human connection, of course, as a brewery, people coming in, sharing a beer, enjoying each other's company. But at the same time, we also wanted to leverage our brand to make a material impact on the communities around us. And all of our founders, you know, started this company, this brewery with that in mind. And the goal is that when Athenians think of Creature Comforts, we really want people in this community to 
think that Athens is a better place because Creature Comforts is here and is a part of this community. So for us, the idea of giving back was just very straightforward. It was something that we were founded upon. And this plan really takes the form of our three major community impact initiatives. So like Madeline hinted on, get comfortable, which we like to say is all about helping people survive and then get artistic about helping people thrive. And then finally, Brew for One, which is our newest community impact program, helps us do for one what we wish we could do for all. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about Get Comfortable because it has really, in what I have seen, because I've come to a couple of the, the events at the brewery, um, you know, the community events to talk about, to talk about the effort. Um, it, it's really taken off um, from a percentage night into something really substantial. So can you talk a little bit about that growth and, and how you did sort of start to work with other partners and really bring other people into it? And even the disbursement model, I think it's pretty unique. Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for the kind words and for coming out and joining us. We really appreciate it. So there is such a need, both locally and globally. And I know when I wake up and I turn on the Today Show or I scroll through Twitter, you know, wherever you're getting your quick news from, you'll see, you'll look what's happening in the world and you'll say to yourself, like, my heart is broken I want to get involved, but I don't know where to start. You know, I don't know which agencies would be the best stewards of my funds. You know, there are so many agencies. How do I pick, you know, one or a couple? Am I truly making a difference? And so with that, you know, Get Comfortable really seeks to make serving simple. That's what we like to say. We want to make serving simple for our over 80 business partners and also for our thousands of customers. So in a sentence, we like to say that the Get Comfortable campaign seeks to align the business community to help fund the agencies that are meeting our community's most pressing needs. So instead of really tethering our corporate philanthropy to just one very specific charity or one very specific cause, Get Comfortable really leverages the data and the local expertise of an advisory council to help vet these agencies. It's a very rigorous kind of vetting process using our advisory council to pick out and to determine which agencies are meeting Athens' most pressing needs at this very moment. So the really cool thing about Get Comfortable is that our partners from one year can look completely different from our partners from another year based on what the greatest needs are. And I mean, there are years where we have some of the same partners over and over again, because of course, you know, hunger, homelessness, you know, upward social mobility are all continuing problems here in the Athens community. So that's kind of our process for going about, you know, picking out our Get Comfortable agencies. And I will say for our 2020 season of emphasis, we have 12 agencies that were selected as Get Comfortable partners. We have nine of those agencies here in Athens, of course. And then in 2020, um, so this year, we actually started launching Get Comfortable in DeKalb County as well. So we're working with three nonprofits over in DeKalb. The program infrastructure is 
basically the same, but of course the details are more contextualized to each community just to ensure that we have the greatest impact. But just like our Athens Advisory Council, we have an advisory council in Atlanta just really helping us you know, determine what those biggest needs are because we kind of like to joke, we are not the smartest people at the table. We bring in the experts from our community, the people that are living and breathing in this data um, within these communities. So we really invite them and their expertise to join us around the table to help pick these agencies out. And then with our business partners, our whole deal is, hey, we have created this program. We hope that we have made serving simple for your business. Come along, join us because Get Comfortable really isn't it's not just a creature thing. It's, it's a we thing. It's an us thing. We just happen to be the ones that pushed down that first domino that got everything else kind of going. So Get Comfortable really all started just because our founders believed that there needed to be alignment within the business and the philanthropic community. And what's behind the name, Get Comfortable? Um, at first, I certainly didn't understand how that fit into the mission of what you were doing. What's the story behind that? Yeah. So that's for the name is truly based off the idea that we believe discomfort emerges whenever a need goes unmet. So the idea of get comfortable just kind of came through that. And then of course we got catchy with get artistic because we got, we like the gets. <laughs> now to give people sort of quantify this. So if, last time I added it up, at least at the, the last presentation, it, you were nearing on or surpassing or you, you're at the million dollar mark. Am I, am I right about that in terms of how much you've raised? We actually just crested a huge impact in our community impact programs in May, basically six years later since we opened in 2014 through Get Artistic, through all of these different philanthropic beers, through Clean Creature, through just everything it is that we're doing. In May 2020, we actually crested $2 million in total community impact, which was just huge. And it's really because of, you know, the purchases and contributions of customers and these local businesses that has just made such a profound impact on this city. So 2 million in May of 2020, which was just huge and exciting news for us to share, especially during, you know, the COVID-19 craziness. But I will say that's not just for Get Comfortable. That does include Get Artistic, Brew for One, some of the community Wednesday nights we do where basically our service nights at our brewery where we host our Get Comfortable partner and encourage our customers to join in to pack a hygiene kit to engage with our agencies and to learn more. That also includes we host the Athens Farmers Market on Wednesdays. They would typically be here now until November, but we're adjusting that season with them. Um, we recently launched a Venmo account, so that total includes Venmo donations. We also um, do a campaign called Leverage so that when individuals come to celebrate their birthday at the brewery, if they tell their server, hey, I'm turning 27, we'll donate $27. So yeah, we're hoping to be the 
the hub where everyone can come celebrate their birthdays, but also feel good knowing that you're giving back to the local community. Well, that, that is really great news. I didn't know that. So congratulations. That's, yeah. a, that's a major accomplishment in a short period of time. I really can't even take credit for it. I've been here since January. So a lot of this has happened before. Yep. And, and, and at a time like this, there's been a great community response to COVID too. And I know you've been a part of that. Um, but Madeline, let's talk more about Get Artistic because you're clearly sort of plugged into the art scene. The Natural Cultural Affairs Commission, I believe one of my colleagues is on there, right? Andrew Salinas? Yep, that's the right one. Yeah, everything's called Athens this and that and the other. So the names are kind of confusing. <laughs> but yes, yeah. So Andrew Salinas is our is the chair of the uh, public art board. Um, and I joined that in, it was spring of this year. I think it was March, February. So I'm, I'm still a very new member um, but it's just another great way to get connected to what's going on in Athens. And actually the, the public art initiative overall, that I think that was coming to like at least its public form. I think it had been in the works for many years prior to like me coming to Athens as a student in 2011. But when I, uh, it was in my freshman, sophomore year, sometime between 2011 and 2013, that's when a lot of the public art work began kind of emerging and the public art master plan was formed. And so it's, I mean, it's really kind of a surreal, uh, it's really an honor to be able to be participating as a as a commissioner now um, when I have watched that as a young University of Georgia student, just trying to get more connected with the town. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's really, I mean, how Get Artistic started too. We, as I mentioned, I was asked by our amazing general manager, Katie Beecham, to leverage our space and put um, really just my peers in the art school, put their art on our walls because we had this huge space. It was beautiful and minimal and industrial, but we uh, thought it would be improved by putting some artwork up. So um, I studied art history and my favorite topics were ancient Buddhist art and modernism where art and music overlap and just really wide-ranging stuff that um, has nothing to do with a brewery. And I, I came to the brewery um, just needing a part-time service job like really so many students and especially so many students who are creatives who are trying to start a music career or have you know, even just have something on the side. Um, I, I just you know needed a way to support myself through school and I just got just naturally more and more connected and more and more experienced with the the curatorial side of putting art on walls and learning how we could make that experience better for the artists that we were working with. Um, so at first we changed out the show, the art shows about every, gosh, I think every three weeks, um, which is a pretty tight turnaround. Um, so we just learned, okay, maybe first step is making the shows longer and make it more worth it for the artists. And then we started to think, oh, well, we could, you know, do an event to highlight this artist and, you know, connect them with our audience. And, um, and kind of just going from there, it was really a snowball effect to like, okay, how can we make this better? How can we better connect our consumers and just our, you know, community generally with these artists? Um, and just by nature of my position, kind of straddling the town in this way and the university, you know, just my peers in the art school, um, I was trying to just kind of break down the, the what I've felt, you know, just being a very young person in a sort of insulated position, trying to break down those barriers. Um, that's something that I continue to tr uh, strive to do in different ways. And I think there's a big need for that in Athens, as as evidenced by um, all of the work that has come up through Envision Athens, um, which is a um, Athens 20-year master plan. And there are I think 14 different kind of target areas, the one um, that are separated into work groups, totally 
public for anyone to come, you know, a student could come, um, a government employee could come, a non anybody can come. Um, and it's this really cool space where everybody can come and kind of take responsibility and share responsibility for uh, making progress in the town. So specifically where I, I'm involved is called Create Athens. That's the arts and culture work group. Um, it's just really an amazing um, asset for Get Artistic in particular. Um, it really has started to, since I became involved with, with it and uh, aware of the work going on there over the last year and a half or so, that has really begun to shape and inform how we can improve Get Artistic to better serve the creative community. And, and that's what we've just done every year, just having shifted it from sort of starting as just leveraging our space in the, in the, you know, on the exhibition side of things um, and just growing it each year. Um, we officially opened up our, you know, a fully established the program in 2018. So it is, it's still very new. And we have made some shifts over the years to just continue to make things better. Um, but the, you know, Get Artistic Overall does encompass the shows and the events that we have done since 2014. But the, the sort of biggest win and the, the biggest um, opportunity of the program is, is the grants. We make through um, 100% of the profits of our Get Artistic beer and merchandise, um, in addition to any sort of contributions we get from the businesses in the community to support um, the arts community. What about short-term goals or long-term goals for Get Artistic? How do you want to grow it? I mean, you've clearly been there from the beginning. So what's your ideal? What's your goal? Great question. Our vision with Get Artistic is really just to be able to to contribute to the long-term sort of like vibrancy of our of our creative community. So again, that is being informed by our, um, our the guidance we're getting from Create Athens. Um, and so some of these priorities include increasing accessibility, increasing representation and diversity. Um, and that means from the people who are creating artwork and the people who are consuming artwork. And, and I should say, when I say art, I do mean music and writing and performance and film um, and not just visual art which is, I think, what a lot of people sort of default when, I, when people say art or think about art, that's what they go to. The vision really is to just be able to, you know, leverage our funds to be able to support these sort of numbers changing and, and, and change the perception that people carry with them of, you know, when, when they feel or where they feel like they can participate as a creator or a consumer um, in our local arts community. So, you know, that's really the kind of long-term goal. It's not something that will necessarily be reached and done and over with at any point. It's going to be really continuous work. As a part of all of that, uh, I, I think it's developing a stronger infrastructure for supporting um, working artists in, in town. That maybe would have some more kind of concrete measures, such as an artist residency program here in Athens that can provide sustainable uh, studio space, housing space, and exhibition space for all kinds of creatives. Um, that would be something that would be like a measurable sort of objective, concrete outcome. Um, so it's really going to be a mix of that. And I, I don't think the work will ever be done, um, but it's it's our commitment to helping make it happen. Um, I was going to ask, add a question just to say a little bit more about how the grants are benefiting the art artistic community, if you want to just expand on that a little bit. And then, you know, I'd like to hear more about Brew for One. Yeah, sure. So the grants, um, in, in the years past, as you know, we've, we've done two cycles of the grant funding so far. So we uh, gave out grants in 2018 and 19. And 
I, I guess just upfront how that works is we release the product that is generating the funds for these grants. Um, so that's 100% of profit from the Get Artistic Beer and merchandise. Um, and then again, a, a variety of sort of smaller contributions um, contribute to that as well. During that time of year when the product is out, we call that our season of emphasis. So each, each of our community impact programs work on a different season of emphasis just to space it out through the year. Um, so in years past, at the beginning of that season of emphasis is when we release a request for proposals, um, and then we accept applications online from individual artists as well as arts nonprofits. Um, and we try to make it as easy and simple as a, as a process as possible. Um, I think the applications less than 10, you know, around 10 questions. Um, we try to keep that sort of a really simple process to, to not you know, unintentionally exclude people, um, especially individual artists um, who may not have training uh, or resources like a nonprofit agency would. Um, so we, in years past, have sort of tried to provide um, funds to sustain uh, creative nonprofits who, you know, serve artists by either actually providing a service or, you know, providing space to showcase their artwork or um, something like a, you know, for example, we gave grants in, I believe, both 2018 and 19 to the Athens Symphony Orchestra, which provides um, opportunities for volunteer musicians to all play, play, play together, um, in addition to scholarships for, for students to fill specialty positions in the orchestra. So we have um, taken the applications and reviewed them internally and tried to just support as wide a variety of um, art forms as we can. So again, that's from music to visual art to theater to, let's see, performance and sort of movement art, a really creative one that is an incredible example, incredible asset for the community's Canopy Studio. They're uh, a trapeze studio that is a world-class, you know, performance space and educational space for the community and, you know, give back a ton of their um, annual income in the form of scholarships and to create more students for, more opportunities for students to go through their program. Um, so that's kind of been the goal in the last couple of years is to just support as needed in the different spaces, um, especially outside of uh, wherever we you know, saw that there was a gap in opportunity um, and sort of existing funding sources uh, locally to, you know, support the sorts of projects and initiatives that we were seeing come through that in the applications. And this year, we're doing something exciting and uh, sort of taking a, uh, a leaf out of the Get Comfortable playbook uh, as far as the infrastructure of the program goes, and that we have established small advisory council um, with some local arts leaders and community professionals um, who are going to help us sort of inform our decision making and, and really just help us kind of commit even more so to the Create Athens sort of goals that the community has set forth. Um, so we will actually meet in about a month from today, I think, to review the applications, which we're accepting online right now. Um, and so we are going to, for the first time, um, identify a grant recipients in advance of the season of emphasis, which will be in the fall this year, around August through October. And the motivation behind that is really to just, um, again, continue to make our our practices better and to be able to better serve the community. Um, so we, we really want to foster this feeling of partnership with our Get Artistic recipients in a way that we just haven't, um, you know, necessarily done so far in the past and that we're going to really take them along this sort of journey with us in the fall rather than identify 
our recipients after all the funds and the whole season of emphasis that's already wrapped up. Um, so really just trying to, you know, uplift them and um, use our platform on social media and in our, our, our taproom space to the extent that we can in these crazy times to really um, showcase the work that is going on and kind of amplify what they're doing um, even more so through this new process. So well, that's very ambitious and wonderful. I can't, and I'm yes. looking forward to if you can open the space, it's easier to show art. So we need to get back to that, right? True. Yeah, we have some creative ideas up our sleeves for um, showcasing art now that our, you know, our tap room hasn't been open. But for example, um, was it in May? I think that our we had one of our amazing beers come out automatic it has been uh, it's a pale ale and it has just been a seasonal in years past and now it's uh, a year-round brand which is super exciting and um, to celebrate that we which is really like a very cool story um, that we might not have time to get into today about the the inspiration behind automatic but it's sort of it's really an homage to uh, to Athens as a community um, so as a way to leverage the space that we had at the time which was only our drive-through um, we actually showcased for a week it was a little pop-up in art installation of a flamingo sculpture tapestry if you can envision that so it was um, about a hundred flamingos hands owned by a recent MFA graduate from the uh, Lamar Dodd School of Art, Christiana uh, Echezareta. She's amazing and um, has just graduated and is moving on to new exciting projects. But um, we had just this little pop-up opportunity to have her artwork displayed from in uh, inside our pavilion. So all the customers drove past it and got to experience some art in a weird place in real life, which has that's just always been one of my favorite things about Athens is you just find the funniest things um, and, you know, art and music in strange places. And it just feels so natural. And it's really just part of what makes it so exciting to live here. Um, so that's, that's one example. And we've got some stuff up our sleeves coming up in the next few months. <laughs> Now let's talk a little bit about Brew for One. This is newer, and I assume Alec is the expert on what this is, knows the most. So as you've just heard, Get Artistic and Get Comfortable both really favor that data and the priorities of the entire community over just an individual cause. And so with Brew for One, we want to create space to meet very specific needs as well. And we really wish that we could support every cause and respond to every emergency and really say yes to every request. But we know that realistically, we can't. Um, so the unique thing about Brew for One is that it lets us do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. So as you can see, we tried to get a little creative there. Instead of do for one, we went with brew for one. And this initiative began with um, really a tragic story of one of our beloved cellarmen, um, Bob Weckback. And Bob was our head cellarman before we lost him in 2017. So that year, we released a beer in his honor, aptly named Cellarman Spirit, and we used the profits from the 2018 Cellarman Spirit release to help seed a college fund for Bob's son. And it was so meaningful. So many creatures were involved. You know, we wanted to do something to honor Bob. 
So we brewed this beer again in 2019, and again, the sales were mobilized to help serve another individual who was telling a remarkable story. And in 2020 and moving forward, um, Brew for One will, again, continue to find those compelling recipients each year and to develop a beer brand that captures the essence of that story. And, you know, just like our Get Artistic and our Get Comfortable beers, 100% of the profits generated from these beer releases will be leveraged in a way to aid an individual in a way that we really hope is life-changing. And so for 2020, we actually um, partnered, I guess you could say, well, we released the beer on March 13th, and that was probably like the last day of the world as we once knew it. So as you can imagine, not, not the best day to release a beer, but we released the Rhea Pell Ale, and it was a pale ale brewed in honor of the late chef and Atlanta native Rhea Pell. So Rhea's story kind of came to our attention after last fall, we hosted an event with the Invisible Histories Project at the brewery. And the Invisible Histories Project led us to Rhea, and really the more we learned, the better the story got. And we ended up meeting Rhea's widow. And from her, we discovered the Atlanta Harm Reduction Coalition, which was a charity that Rhea had championed throughout her life. And so, man, you know, starting back in February, we have been in conversations with the Atlanta Harm Reduction Coalition to identify a client of theirs who is telling a remarkable story. And literally one of my favorite days as a creature happened back in May because we were able to not only sell out of this beer during a global pandemic, but to raise close to $10,000 from this beer. And we used those $10,000, we were able to provide an individual at Atlanta Harm, a woman, a single mom named Yamashita with a car, a washer and dryer, gave her several gift cards. She had recently moved into more stable housing, needed some furniture, so we gave her some gift cards, another gift card for her to buy some clothing for her daughter. As you can imagine, you're seven, you outgrow shoes really quickly. So I mean, after talking and working with Atlanta Harm, we were able to identify Yamashita as our individual we wanted to serve. And when we went and delivered her, we kind of I was trying to be as sneaky as possible. And mind you, I'm not the best at keeping secrets. So we had scheduled all these different interviews in Atlanta and Yamashita had absolutely no idea what was coming her way at the end of these interviews. So I got to drive up in the car and just surprise her with this. And we had several creatures there just cheering her on. And it was such, such a remarkable day. And even more remarkable that we were able to kind of pull this off with the world how it is right now, so. Wow, and I was gonna ask you what you've been doing during COVID and that's <laughs> that's clearly more than I even knew. Yeah, I'd say we're staying pretty busy. I mean, I think that's the, Preacher is sort of, you know, I think a lot of us experience paralysis right now, right? There's just mm -hmm. so much that, you know, it, it, what do I do? And if I do this one thing, do I not get to do something else or, 
you know, does that one thing even matter? And so really, you know, brew for one sounds just a way to sort of tackle that that thing one at a time on top of everything else. So that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, it gives you a reason to go to work every day, huh? Both of you, right? It's really amazing to be a part of a company where jobs like Madeline and I's exist. Like it's not very often that you have a community manager and a good artistic lead and people like that are dedicated to doing these jobs and dedicated to giving back. So it's very worthwhile. And the fact that it succeeds, you know, others might think, well, that's not going to, that doesn't make sense. That's not, that's not going to go anywhere. That's, you know, that's not going to make any money. That's not going to work. And it's worked. It's working. <laughs> it will continue to work. Um, and I've certainly driven by Creature and it's, you've blown out the space. Um, you built that wonderful timber frame pavilion um, for people now too. So it's just a fantastic mm -hmm. space. Um, and preserving the architecture, I think, is really important. So many businesses in Athens do that, and it's just fun, fun to be mm -hmm. able to see that uh, still intact. So, you guys are doing a great job. But outside of all of that work, besides being a creature, what's your uh, what are your favorite things to do in Athens, each of you? Under normal times or like COVID times? Let's do normal <laughs> times. Oh, good. Well, we will aspire. Um... I love going to art venues. Um, most of them are closed right now, but um, we have a uh, few but mighty um, art venues here in town. So a few of them are the Georgia Museum of Art. Um, it's an incredible and free um, place for anyone to go and see world-class art collection ranging from, um, oh my gosh, like Renaissance through contemporary. It's just an incredible, incredible space and I can't believe it's free. The Linden House Art Center, um, also free. Um, that's our uh, sort of government housed uh, art center with studio space for artists and exhibition space. And oh, it's just, it's just really incredible. Um, and uh, Athica is another awesome space. That's, our, that's Athens only um, fully independent um, nonprofit art gallery devoted to, to contemporary art. And then also Tiny Ath Gallery. They are actually able to um, to have some openings right now, which is really exciting. Um, tiny Ath Gallery is truly a tiny gallery. It's probably about 10 by 10 feet um, over on, on, I think, Cleveland behind um, the Pulaski Heights sort of neighborhood, uh, Pulaski Heights barbecue area, um, which is also where Athica is. They're about a stone throw away from each other, but um, Athica and Tiny Ath Gallery, and I think Linton House actually are all, have, have found creative ways to safely be open in some capacity um, as of the last couple of weeks. So that's something I love to go. I love to go, you know, check out those spaces under normal times, but it's awesome that I can actually go check them out right now too. The botanical gardens are an amazing place. I've sort of just rediscovered, um, which is what a treasure, especially for people who don't have the luxury of having a, you know, a lot of space at their own um, home, whether it's an apartment or wherever. Um, just a great place to be able to um, go wander and connect with nature right now. And that's, that's, that's probably what I'm most into right now. And yeah. How about you, Allie? <laughs> Well, I'm super indecisive and I really can't pick one place. So I'm going to share my ideal Athens day. Okay. So first I would wake up and I'd walk across the street to independent bakery, grab a coffee and probably a cinnamon roll. Um, and then enjoy them somewhere in five points. Then probably go for a walk, just an aimless walk around one of Athens' historic neighborhoods. I feel like 
every time I do this, discover just so many treasures. Athens, like, is my home. It's the best place. I'm probably a little biased, but I love just getting around and exploring Athens on foot. And then perhaps hop on my bike, do a lap around the pink church loop. It's one of my favorite places to ride. There aren't many cars. Um, just a good way to get active. And then I'm going to end my day at the Royal Peasant with some veggie curry and then dessert at Condor Chocolates. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, can I join you for your ideal day? That sounds amazing. <laughs> of course. I would love that. What is the pink church loop? What is that? You know, okay, so, I mean, I probably, okay, maybe I shouldn't be riding back here, but I park over kind of near the Athens Country Club, and then I just head straight on that route, and then, honestly, through a random series of turns, through some farmlands, just through some, like, gorgeous houses back in that area, Um, yeah, it's about a 13-mile loop what I do, but there are way longer routes that all, like, the professional cyclists go on, and they lap me, and it's a little bit embarrassing, but it's fine, because I'm just enjoying myself. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know about that, but yeah, Athens has great outdoor spaces, so Yeah. uh, yeah, just getting out and about. It's a little confusing because the church used to be pink and that's why everyone calls it like the pink church loop, but now it's been painted brown, but the brown church loop just doesn't sound as good. So yeah, we're going with that. Well, some of that can actually be enjoyed now. Um, So Mm -hmm. we are hopefully getting back to normal. Fingers crossed, not so sure. Follow the science. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add would be um, that I love to do under normal circumstances is is just to go see live music because we just have, we are just rich with live music here in this town. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, And that's something that can't really easily happen right now, especially because um, almost every, I mean, except with maybe a couple patio spaces, everything is indoor and it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's not something that can really easily happen right now. Um, I actually was walking around downtown the other day, I think it was last weekend, and there was an outdoor patio space that they had some music like a block or so away. And we were like, wait, is that a trumpet? Is that a trumpet? Is that live? And it was like, I hadn't heard live music like that in, except for what I've been just playing myself at home. Um, I, I hadn't heard live music in mm-hmm. I think three or four months. Um, and it was really surreal and extre- it was honestly extremely emotional. Um, and it was just a, I don't know who the band was, but they were just like a little groovy band with a trumpet and a trombone and, you know, guitarist and drummer. And it was just, oh, I just felt, yeah, very surreal. And I walked away and I just felt, mm-hmm. I just felt, um, I just felt it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, it, it downtown has been quiet. It is very sort of surreal to drive through downtown. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope we'll get back to it again. But um, when it's safe to do so. When it's safe to do so, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you both for your, your time today. I, I learned a lot, and I think um, our listeners will learn a lot. And um, clearly, Creature Comforts is a destination, um, not just a brewery. So, um, thank you for everything you do as well. So clearly you're doing some good work that's much needed in the Athens community. Well, thank, thank you so much, you so much for having us and for hosting this podcast. I'm seriously so impressed with what you've been able to do. Just, I've been listening to a few episodes. I love the one on football. Made me really miss it. So y'all keep up the good work too. Yeah, I'm planning to keep it up. It has been fun. It has been a way to do something productive 
um, during this time and meet some new people, learn a little bit more about Athens and then be able to share it. So, you know, it is a little time consuming, quite honestly, but um, I think uh, Scott and I, our producer, are having fun. So we'll, we'll keep doing it. So, but, but thank you. Um, and uh, keep up, keep up the great work, not just the good work. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Sure, appreciate try. it. All right. Take care. <laughs> There you have it, folks, another episode of Dogs on Top. Thank you again to Madeline and Allie for joining me today. Thank you for listening to learn more about how Athens gives back. Like many businesses, Creature has found creative ways to serve the community during this pandemic. And also, like others, they look for ways to do more and more. Look to the show notes for links to the organizations and businesses they each mentioned. Um, in one of our upcoming episodes, we'll be talking about another important liquid, coffee, in an interview with Charlie Mustard, one of the founding partners of Jittery Joe's. For MBA program staff right now, we are getting ready for orientation in the fall semester. So if you want to connect with admissions, we will be at some virtual recruiting events this summer and fall, and there will be virtual ways to connect with us directly. So check our website and events page for updates at terry.uga.edu slash MBA slash full time. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check out our YouTube playlist. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and go dogs. Go dogs.